Ready? From the top. My favorite shows on TV have 12 minutes of advertising. I can't get behind that kind of time. Eat quickly, drive faster, make more money now. I can't get behind that. My kids say, he said to me, and I'm like... And he's like, and she's like, it's all, he's all, she's all. I can't get behind that kind of like English. That'll be six to eight weeks before delivery. The rising oceans, the warming temperatures. The dying polar bears, no tigers in 50 years. Rising poison in the air and water. I can't understand why the price of gas suddenly rises when oil goes up. But takes months to go down long after oil falls. I can't get behind any of that. I can't get behind the gods who are more vengeful, angry, and dangerous if you don't believe in them. Why can't all these gods just get along? I mean, they're omnipotent and omnipresent. What's the problem? What's the problem? What about the men who say, do as I do? Believe in what I say for your own good, or I'll kill you! I can't get behind that! I can't get behind that! Everybody knows everything about all of us! That's too much knowledge! I can't get behind that! using my streets to learn. If you learn to play the drums, you gotta go to a studio, go to a parking lot, for God's sakes! Why are you jeopardizing my life? I can't get behind a student driver. I can't get behind a driver who drives like a student driver. If you're gonna drive an urban assault vehicle, then get off the phone and keep your eyes on the road. Lifetime guarantee? Whose lifetime? Not mine. I haven't that much time left. Let's make it yours. Everybody's got a longer life than me. The leaf blowers. Is there anything more futile? Car alarms. Clap off. Clap on. Spam. Size matters. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it no, does. it doesn't. No, yes, it, it doesn't. Does. Yes, it does. My yes, phone does. rings. Make millions in minutes. It's a computer. Blues in just in hours. Leave me the hell alone. Eat more. Spend less. The colonel is breakdancing. Give me a break. Credit terms arranged. I can't get behind any of that. I can't get behind so-called singers. They can't carry a tune. Get paid for talking. How easy is that? Well, maybe I could get behind that. Well, I can't. If you have to fix it with a computer, quantized, pitch corrected, notably inspected, then you can't do it. And I can't get behind that. I can't get behind a fat ass. Yeah. Bill, can you turn around and do one more? Always can do one more. Let's hit it. This is Ink Studs on CITR 11.9 FM. My guest today is Will Dinsky, whose latest book is Fingerprints from the lovely folks at Top Shelf, as well as the uh, not-so-mini-mini-comic covered in confusion and a plethora of other handmade goodies. Um, how are you doing today, Will? I'm doing great. Hey, Robin. Hey, hey. Welcome to Canada on the radio. 
It's great. Uh, you're <laughs> located in Minneapolis, is it? Yes, I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Half of the Twin Cities out here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Is it a creative hotbed there? I uh, it feels like it. I mean, it's you know, I don't know how often I hear about um just people talking about how great the you know, the the arts are in general. There's you know, a lot of cool creative type jobs out here. It's great. I mean, I'm within walking distance to a lot of really neat galleries and uh, just kind of theaters and gathering places for the arts. So, yeah. It makes me think of like Inspiring. Winnipeg in the context that like when it's winter time, you don't have much else to do but create. I love that. Yeah, that's the best. Like I, every year I'm like, I got to get something written before it's cold because it's you know I gotta have all this great time to sit around and draw. Um, <laughs> So it's like, yeah, I was at that mad dash it right before the first snow, and then bam, when it and it hit us hard. <laughs> I was ready. Why don't you tell me a bit about um, your background? Like your comics seem to come from a different direction than most I'm exposed to. So I'm curious what um, your where, early where, interest is in where comics. Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'm originally from Illinois. Uh, so I kind of grew up, moved around a lot. So I was in uh, like the suburban Chicago for like grade school and junior high, and uh, not a whole lot of comic shops out there. I mean, there there are some, but they're more superhero bent. But still, like you know, a lot of really good back issue bins and stuff. So I'd read a lot of. I think I picked up a lot of those old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics early back then. And, then moved out to very rural Illinois for high school, and there was nothing, no comic shops out there at all. Um, so I ended up doing stuff. I ended up going to a lot of conventions just to just to pick up books. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I went to uh, college in Minneapolis, which is how I got up here. I went to the Minneapolis College of Art and Design, and I studied comic art. And I've been here ever since. Now, one thing I feel very quickly with your, um, I guess, design aesthetic within your comics and uh, your other products you make with your comics, um, you kind of look at the bigger package than necessarily the story in itself. Like how all the parts need to fit together. Yeah, when I was... um... You know, when I was going to school, I took a uh, a bookmaking class by Jody Williams, which just totally bent my mind over as far as thinking. Because I had been making mini-comics right up until then. But then I just took this class where she explained, like, well, you know, if you're going to make a book, you you know, this is how you do it. And you, you there's there's more than just folding an 8.5 by 11.5. And, and, you know, it's you can make choices and these choices can are integral to how you experience the book because she's talking about artist books where they're Mm. really you know high concept books and I'm taking this class and I'm thinking well I've already got all this content I just need to I can just shape this book to kind of fit the content and it doesn't always go that way sometimes uh, I have like a neat book that I want to do that and I kind of come up with the comic afterwards but that really changed the 
that aspect of comics for me in a big way. It kind of made it more of a, I don't know, it expanded um, the, like the art form for me a little bit. Like now I get to think about printmaking and, you know, screen printing because I'm making books. And then that, I mean, I, I really didn't think much about design until I started thinking about bookmaking because now you got to, you know, you start really paying attention to the details and that's, there's a lot of that in design, I think. Had you been exposed to anything that was doing that already, like, say, Jordan Crane or some of the Fort Thunder stuff? You no, know, I had not seen any of that stuff before. There's, However, there was an artist in uh, Minneapolis, uh, Vincent Stahl, who's King Minnie, who was probably the only one at the time that I saw that was really doing that. I mean, he was, uh, you know, artist, designer, bookmaker, supreme, and was a real inspiration to me. Uh, early on when I was thinking about making mini comics um, but I mean outside of that it was pretty much just the usual yeah I don't know I didn't really think about it like that mm. I hadn't really picked up a lot of mini comics before that either I mean later I you know <laughs> you know it's like anything once you kind of see it once then you kind of see it all the time and I just wasn't paying attention <laughs> yeah you know, and then now, now I go to shows and that stuff's like all over the place. I'm like, man, I just wasn't looking. <laughs> <You know>, or, <laughs> what the heck? You know, like, it's uh, so yeah, yeah. It's definitely yeah, the the term mini comic. That's it. It's kind of, in a lot of ways, doesn't really work to accurately describe what's happening now. Right. Yeah. It's more uh, bookmaking. Yeah. Than anything else. I had this, there's a, they did a, like an artist book, bookmaking show at the, the Walker Art Center out here maybe a year or two ago, and they called them, uh, they called it a multiples mart. I like that word, multiples. <laughs> just, I don't know, there's some marty about it, like, it's not, it's, it's a, it's, it's a multiple. It's a, yeah. it's a duplicate of, of something that doesn't necessarily have to be a mini comic. It kind of encompasses all of it. What were some of the mini comics you were reading um, oh, as you were getting into mini comics and like kind of making you want to create comics? You know, oh man, I God, that's hard. I don't, I can't think of any. Probably just stuff that was either being done at the college I was at. I mean, making mini comics is kind of just a financial thing, really. I mean, I can't, I couldn't, I didn't have the money to print up a whole book myself, so it's just, well, I guess I'll just do it on this photocopier, because that's what I can afford to do. Well, it's I mean... It's just a matter of necessity. What What is it that made you want to take cartooning in school? I mean, that's not a decision to take oh. lightly. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, I just, you know, it was important for me to... Oh, I really wanted to make comics. I wanted to... I wanted to be good at making comics, and I looked at other colleges and uh, schools, and I really liked that MCAT was a full art school, so I, I would have gotten a more broad uh, education than maybe if I had gone to some place with, like, like say, the Cooper School or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was very, very narrow. Very yeah. narrow there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all for the best that you didn't go to Cooper School. <laughs> yeah, probably. Who knows? I could have been an inker somewhere, man. I was gonna <laughs> say you'd probably be inking Wolverine. <laughs> I would. I would. Oh man. 
fun at parties. I ain't cool for <laughs> Now your uh, fingerprints is your first kind of book with a spine, so yes. to say, but it yes. collects an earlier work um, mm -hmm. you've done, mm -hmm. which the name of it's escaping me right now. It's, which is why we changed the name. <laughs> I remember it's, it was, it was very called, long. It was called Beautiful, Cool, and Irreplaceable, which is, I love that title, and I still feel like it really accurately describes the, the story, but is not at all memorable and kind of a mouthful and really neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a mini comic first. It was actually well, actually it was uh, I made like ten of them first, and I made hardcover versions of it that I just kind of would send out to you know, like reviewers who I really liked, and um, like I sent them to the top shelf, and I just kind of had those for a year before I printed up a like a proper paperback mini comic version. Mm. Uh, yeah, that one. That one was uh, that was before I colored it too. So it was so black. Was the coloring something that Top Shelf wanted for the? Yeah, I mean, it was the sort of thing they casually mentioned, and I jumped all over. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, eh, maybe you're gonna do a color. Yes, okay, fine. <laughs> so um, color something you'd like to use. No more. going back now. <laughs>
the the book is interesting. I feel like it's kind of uh, a commentary on perfection, mm-hmm. on just the kind of unobtainableness of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, for me, it was a. Uh, I I wanted to try and write a story about uh, how all all good things fade was kind of the premise. Like that's what I wanted to start from and kind of describe. And I tried to think of who who wouldn't believe that all good things fade. You know, who would I have to prove wrong? <laughs> and uh, and I just thought of a cosmetic surgeon. A cosmetic surgeon would think that you're your beauty will last forever, or yeah. it could, or it could get better, even, you know, and uh, so it, you know, when I started from there, then, yeah, I kind of, um, kind of became a lot easier to write about than I thought it would be, even, yeah. kind of thinking about a cosmetic surgeon and, and the way that they work. Um, I'm really curious about the way you use blank space in your comics, specifically in fingerprints, where kind of in between each panel you have the blank space. It's kind of like the area for the word balloon. Yeah. Even yeah. if there isn't a word balloon, what is the choice yeah. with that? You know, I um, I had done a couple like thirty-page stories right out of college that I uh, didn't do in that style. It was just like I don't know, like a traditional looking, you know, if you put it across the room, it would look just like any other comic page. So you've got your panels, you've got your, you know, your balloons. And, um, the stories themselves, I really liked, but I just was reading them, and I I don't know, there was something about the pace that I didn't like, or I, you know, I couldn't, I spent so much time focusing on how to make the, um, the design of the entire page attractive that I, I, could, I lost sense of the flow of the story really. mm-hmm. and I and it became really hard for me to make edits later you know like um, you know I'll when I work now with the grid that I work with I can take out whole chunks and move them around you know pretty easily because it's a very modular grid and you know I just wanted to have a way that I could kind of control whether or not you read the pictures or the words first and because I I, I never knew, you know, before if people were going to read the words first or the pictures first, and it matters. I think to me it does. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I want, sometimes I want to have a, um, you know, a look, and then they say something. Or sometimes I want them to say something and have a look, and it just seemed, I don't know, economically, I mean, more sense to do it to to really separate the words from the pictures because it's. Otherwise, I'm going to be doing so much drawing. Like, if I have to draw every single look before and after everything somebody says, it's like, you kind of, I might as well be an animator. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, so it, it was more of just my, I just prefer reading it that way. Like, And I'm very, very analytical, and I like that control part of it. And it's, uh, that's that's where that came from. I was actually thinking about, like, boy, I thought I would do this grid thing for, like, a little bit and then just chuck it and try something else, but um, it, I love writing that way, and I, I am having trouble, like, getting away from it because I can't find anything better or more suited for me. Had you looked at, like, Chester Brown's technique at all? 
Yeah, doesn't he, like, he draws them all in little sheets of paper and then, like, compiles them on a page, right? Yeah, and he can move the panels around and take them out. Yeah. I think that's really cool, but, I mean, I don't... I don't know. Like, I like... I don't don't know. I didn't... It doesn't read right to me Mm -hmm. all the time. Or at least I don't... I wouldn't be able to pull it off. Well, I guess you're probably also a lot more computer savvy than... Yeah, does he like, just, he probably just gets a glue stick out, right? And pretty like, much, yeah. Puts it on his, you know, piece of back of another page, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then takes a photograph of it with his film camera, and ships it off to Darren and Quarterly, probably, right? Oh, he's pretty. I'm, I imagine he's probably pretty, hand, like low tech and hands on with that stuff. Yeah, I have a feeling he probably just shipped the pages, but I don't know. But I mean, with what 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 I'm getting at is, you, you could re you do you rearrange say in Photoshop how that grid structure is working. Uh, yeah, sometimes I do. Yeah. Um, the neat thing about the fingerprints is it it looks to me like it reads a lot nicer in the newer edition, as far as like with the panels being like half size or half. You oh know. yeah, cause the original one was three rows okay. and the artwork was a little smaller and then the new one is two rows and the artwork's a little bit bigger I mean I think it reads I don't know if it, I would say it reads for me kind of the same but I got to fix some of that artwork that was in the original version that was oh man that was so bad there some <laughs> bad panels in there like I didn't want to I didn't want to redraw the whole book for the new edition but man, that, when did it come out the original um, boy, I don't know. Uh, 2007? Maybe? Okay. And then this, the top shelf one, came out just the middle of last year, I guess? I think it was more towards the end, because okay. I, th- I think it was supposed to come out more towards the middle, but um, I, think it got, uh, I think it got delayed somehow, and I, think, I don't think it really came out until the fall. Okay. What's it like uh, for yourself working with a publisher instead of doing it yourself? Um, well, it's, I mean, Top Shelf guys are great. I mean, I don't know what it's like working with uh, anybody else, but they're just, I mean, they're fantastic. They, they gave me a lot of leeway and um, were really supportive. And uh, I mean, they let me do all of the design for the book and right down to like working with the printer, which is. That's, that's great. That's mm. really fun for me. I love I love doing that sort of stuff. And there was not really much. I mean, there wasn't any problem with them having to do that. It was great. Well, it so. definitely seems you guys didn't skimp on the design work. No, no. I mean, <laughs> there are some things I'm like, well, there's no way they'll let me do this. <laughs> I'll, just, <laughs> I'll just I'll just do it because you know I think it would be you know I think it would be nice this way, and then I'll send them these other options. Which are, yeah, you know, this, they will. This is probably what we'll end up doing. But they were like, no, this is great. Let's do it. I couldn't believe it. What was the the extraneous expensive stuff? Was it the cloth binding or the uh, Yeah, you know, yeah, you got the cloth binding and the the spot UVs and the, um, you know, all the Pantone colors and the metallic inks and (laughs) the screen printing on the spines and just like sitting around dreaming up crazy stuff I can put on this. Well, you know, I mean, I'm not just screwing around. Like, I'm thinking I want it to be an opulent-looking book, you know, because it's 
kind of the lifestyle of the characters in, in there are pretty they're mm-hmm. extravagant and opulent and I wanted and I wanted it to have a very surface quality opulence but um, but they went for it which is great I think it helps I think it makes it look nicer I'm just going to remind people I'm talking with Will Dinsky, whose new book is Fingerprints. Now, Will, you wanted to do a giveaway yeah. uh, on the show, so why don't you let folks know what you have for them? Oh, I made a, um, a poster. It's probably like, oh, I don't know, like 28 by 20, 24 by 28, roughly. It's a screen printed poster. It's three colors. It's on uh, yellow pop-tone French paper. With uh, like an orange, a light blue, and a metallic blue ink on it. Okay. And um, if there are three people out there who'd love to have one, I'll send it to you. Um, and so, folks interested in getting a poster, please email me at inkstuds, inkstuds at inkstuds.com. That's inkstuds at inkstuds.com. And the first three folks to email me will get a poster. I think that sounds pretty easy. No skill yeah. testing question. <laughs> three <laughs> times. Math question. <laughs> yeah, three times five and seven minus four and brackets divided. I don't know. I'm already lost. Um, when did you get started still screening? Was that in art school? Um, you know, I. The silk screening part, I have to totally say, is like my my best friend from college, uh, Pat Callahan. He's got the whole screen printing set up, and he learned in college. And while we we screen print together all the time, he's the real master of that sort of stuff. He he's the one who will like come to me and be like, "Look, uh, you know, look at this uh, fluorescent ink I found, you know." <laughs> <laughs> and then isn't this crazy? It's like hurts your eyes. Look at it, and then you know, I get to think about like, oh. Well, I used to do a story with that, you know, with crazy glow-in-the-dark inks and, uh, and weird paper stocks. It's, uh, so, I mean, it, it was definitely like after after college that I kind of got into it a lot more, and, uh, with the help of my friend. What is it that attracts you to it? I like... Um, I guess I like that it's it's like mini comics in a way that there's you're doing um, like a limited edition of them, but they're they're kind of fine art. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll try to do posters, and I I like I like the idea of that you can have maybe like a comic or comic art that you could possibly hang on the wall. You know? Yeah, I uh, I like the. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like the idea of having comics in museums or going to see comic art shows, but I like that stuff. I think it's cool to go to see people's comics up on walls or people's houses. It's neat looking. I think uh, some work works well in a museum and some doesn't. Yeah. Like, if... like, what do you think doesn't work? What doesn't work? Um... Certain pages from certain creators, which may uh, their work works well in the printed form, um, uh-huh. but doesn't, doesn't work as well in, in person. Just as it as an object by itself. Uh-huh. Um, 
I think it really depends on the work that the artist put into the pages. And sure. I think you'd be surprised by whose work works that way and whose doesn't. Uh-huh. Like, um, I picked up this Daredevil collection, and uh, it was like the reprint of the first ten issues, because uh-huh. I'm on a big Wally Wood kick. And the first couple issues are by Bill Everett, and it reprints two black and white pages in the back, um, uh-huh. are like original like photos of those pages, and they look amazing. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing which, you know, in that context would look great on a wall. But would, like, a Joe Sinnott page or, like, you know, a Marvel, like, Salvage Tampa, would that look as good on the wall? I don't know. You know? I think it would be, uh, I don't know, it's like, it's like, uh, I changed my mind when I went to, like, a museum and I saw, like, a whole show of just, uh, like, sketches by like somebody like Leonardo, you know, yeah. and this isn't like a final piece, but it's, it's educational to look at somebody's process mm-hmm. and it's, um, it's part of, I don't know. I mean, that's what art appreciation is really is kind of, uh, you know, it's, you know, you're going to bring a little bit of knowledge to it. So if you go to a show and you've read the final book, it's kind of, there's value in looking at the original artwork and seeing how they put it together and like gosh I remember looking at some like David B pages that are just pristine yeah just pristine and I, and I would never have guessed that his his pages were as clean as they were um, which is I don't know it just adds to the my appreciation of his artwork in some way and then you know you got other artists who just Work the crap out of them, you know. There's just things pasted up all over, and um, there's something know, exciting about all over the place. Yeah, and it and it looks ugly, <laughs> you know. Like <laughs> the actual piece is like, oh, that's what a mess, you know. But it, it, you know, it helps, you know, it helps me appreciate their work later when it's seen. There's something about seeing Chris Ware's originals uh, I saw from his Thanksgiving work, and just oh, seeing. Really? The, like the massive scale they're at and then the work that's gone into it and just see like yeah. where he's like gotten frustrated and like tried the same <laughs> part he has over a mental and, breakdown. <laughs> well no it's just like the you see like all the different blue pencil oh, behind yeah. the the black ink and you can see the different things he was trying out there wow and it's, so it's not like consistent across like it's not like all his pages look the same some of them yeah. really work and some of them aren't well, they all kind of have the same, um, like, blue line undertone, so you'll just see, like, uh-huh. occasional little extra thing in there, which uh-huh. may have, like, how he was trying that before or something. But, I mean, of course, they're all unique to themselves because it's Chris Ware and, you know. Well, I haven't, I have somehow never been able to see any of his original pages for as often as he. We had a show in Vancouver that had about just the whole Thanksgiving collection that like uh thing he did for the new yorker yep yeah that's, that's nice. and they're they're amazing they're huge and i got to go in this like they did a tour at the art gallery for press and somehow i got invited and art spiegelman was giving the tour and he was talking about them and it's really oh. interesting you could actually hear it on the site on instance i recorded oh. spiegelman talking so awesome. Yeah. I know what I'm listening to later. (laughs) All right.
yellow dog Got 95's got a smile on his face And big shiny eyes Up at a decent hour Never ate yet Got a little Johnny Cash In the old tape deck Nothing in the trunk But some baseball gloves Pair of jumper cables And a set of golf clubs Blanket on the backseat We're in rough shape Sunroof held on With a bit of duct tape Looking for a gas station Better make a list Fill her up with regular I need to take a piss Sexy girl air freshener Snacks in a pinwheel Top up the fluids Clean the bugs off the windshield Not a care in the world Not a how and a why No destination Not a cloud in the sky Back on the road Not a moment too soon Dish ran away With some other spoon I'm wicked and weird I'm a road hog With an old dog Singing soul songs Trying to hold on Wicked and weird I'm a rat fish Trying to practice Doing backflips On your mattress Wicked and weird I'm a road hog With an old dog Singing slow songs Trying to hold on Wicked and weird I'm a rat fish Trying to practice Doing backflips On your mattress Hole in the muffler Ghosts on the shoulder Cough drops Loose change In the beverage holder To roll down the window You gotta use a wrench Been thinking about Brushing up on my French Right there in the glove box If you should look You'll find 40 parking tickets And a copy of the good book Don't bother looking You'll never find me I'm starting from scratch And leaving trouble behind me Wicked and weird I'm a road hog With an old dog Singing slow songs Trying to hold on Wicked and weird I'm a rat fish Trying to practice Doing backflips On your mattress Wicked and weird I'm a road hog With an old dog Singing slow songs Trying to hold on Wicked and weird I'm a rat fish Trying to practice Doing backflips On your mattress Confusion is, I guess, your most recent work? Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say that's probably my most recent book. Yeah. Um, it's a tough one to read. <laughs> Whenever somebody's like, so we're covering Confusion, you can do this book. I'm like, yeah, I always want to be like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's... I apologize. 
Well, you don't have to yeah. apologize. I, I've had people come up to me like, oh, yeah, I read your book, it ruined the day. <laughs> this is awful. I'm sorry. I think that's that's a sign of uh, your skills of um, being able to touch something really primal. Yeah, it was uh, it was a story. You know, I had finished fingerprints, and I was like, you know, what I what I didn't do in fingerprints, but I wanted to try and do is like I wanted to have, do a story that had a really strong uh, emotional reaction. You know, uh, that you know you would read it and kind of respond to it strongly. And, um, this is uh, this was a, something that had happened to a teacher of mine when I was in high school. Um, I wasn't going to high school at the time, but when it happened, but I had heard about it afterwards. And uh, I mean, I heard about it. Do you want to let people know what it was? Um, yeah, I guess it, yeah, it's gonna be hard to talk about it unless I unless I do. But uh, I had heard that uh, my teacher had uh, he he was a uh, like a history teacher and his on the first day of school he had forgotten his newborn daughter in the car and she sat in the parking lot all day and died and I heard this story and it just I mean it just stuck with me for a really really long time uh, it just is you know just very traumatic and like I didn't know this guy really well but I kind of knew you know I knew of him and um the more I kind of read about that sort of thing, it's pretty common, I guess. Mm -hmm. it's, it happens a lot, which is why, um, like, they used to recommend that you not put baby seats in the back seat. But now, because if you put them in the front seat, there's some risk of if you're in an accident that the baby seat will crush and kill the baby. Or the airbag um, now, will destroy but, it. Yeah, or the, yeah, that's it. That's right. The airbag will deploy and, and the baby, but now they don't. Now they say no. Just put the kid in the front seat. You're not gonna forget him there, because that was that was happening more often that, that people would forget the baby in the back seat. Um, and so it just seemed like an interesting kind of idea to explore, because it's like it's not like somebody would mean to do that ever. And but it's it's just as awful a thing that could possibly happen to somebody. And uh, what would that you know what would that do to somebody? And what would I don't know, what would you do if you knew somebody that that happened to? I mean, how would you feel about it? Um, you know. You really try and uh, set him up as a really um, approachable character, too, that you kind of want to like right off the bat. Yeah, I didn't want to... Yeah, I, I wanted you to feel... I mean, if this happens to anybody, you know, I, I would like to think that people would feel bad no matter what. But, yeah, I wanted you to feel like this is an unfair thing that happens. That can really kind of, I don't know. Everything I've read about it, you know, it really screws up some people's lives. Mm-hmm. Can't really come out of that unscathed. No, no. I do find it's one of your most uh, emotionally raw book, and that's the interesting thing in comparisons with Fingerprints, which does feel almost cold in a way. Yeah, it's it's very much about these characters that are... <laughs> plastic. Uh, very plastic and surface level and not... I mean, they're not engaged with anyone around them in a very meaningful way. Uh, and I think that's probably why I did, tried to do something like Heaven Confusion. I didn't want to think that that was 
the only kind of character I could write about. <laughs> but, uh, uh, or at least just try and, I don't know, try and see if, see, you know, see if I can tell that, tell that story that was stuck in my head. Try and get it out. And you won a, uh, an award for it at Isotope? Yeah, I got the Isotope Award, which, um, you were at Ape this last year, right? Didn't you yeah. give out another Isotope Award? Yeah, it's for, um, they, Jameson gives out the Isotope Award every year at the Alternative Press Expo. And um, it's for mini comics. And you go out to the to his shop, the Isotope, after the first day of uh, Ape, and he throws a really big party and gives out the award, and it was really fun. It was great. Brett Warnock bartends. Brett Warnock makes drinks all night. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I hadn't, you know, I don't know if I didn't know or or forgot, but yeah, I'd forgotten that he was originally a bartender. Like, yeah. That man yeah, everything is everything coming together. He like is a happy the... bartender. Yeah, <laughs> he's good at it too. He is. If you ever get a chance to go to a party that uh, Brett Warnock is bartending at, yeah, don't, I... uh, don't miss it. It's pretty cool. That's some good fancy drinks. <laughs> but yeah, the award is is great because it's uh, James is telling me he says yeah. I, he had the award uh, designed, and he said, I want it to look like a weapon. <laughs> and it's like, just so I want it to be as dangerous looking as possible. And so it's got these, like, blades looking things, like, <laughs> coming out of this granite rock. You know, like, you could, if you wanted to hurt somebody with this, there's lots of ways you could do it. It's pretty, pretty crazy looking. <laughs> trophy thing. So you have it somewhere on a low shelf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Then if I tripped, I'd. <laughs> oh, I no, I got it way up high. But then so it's going to fall on me. you. Damn, Robert, I didn't think of that. <laughs> oh, man. I got to put it in a box somewhere. It's not hurting anybody. The question is, how do you bring it home on the plane? <laughs> I think I shipped it. <laughs> I don't think I even wanted to bring it on the plane. I'm like, I'm not taking this from me. I don't want to end up on any no-fly list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. Uh, just a reminder, folks, I'm chatting with Will Dinsky. His latest book is Fingerprints from Top Shelf, as well as the mini-comic uh, Covered in Confusion, self-published. What are you working on right now? You're saying uh, it's wintertime there in Minneapolis? Yeah. I'm working on, like, another 30th, 30 page story right now um, I, I don't know I don't want to say too much about it it's hard to like for me if I start talking about it then I'll, I'll get all self-conscious about it and I'll, I'll finish it well I want, I'm curious about the writing process because you're saying you write first and then draw yes yeah I, I'm very compartmentalized in my process so I I spend a lot of time writing and then when I'm drawing, I just trust that the writing is good and that I did my work and just kind of really focus on the drawing and the art mm -hmm. and uh, telling the story kind of visually. Although when I write, I, I write with, um, like, a, I'll make booklets that have, uh, you know, you see my grid, it's the five-by-five five panels, I, and I have, a, I have notebooks that look just like that, except all the panels are empty, so I fill in little, like, stick figures and some kind of draw writing, I guess. I think a lot of people do that. 
it's not really I'm, I'm not like writing a like a script, script or anything. No. Yeah, where I say, and then now you do this, and then yeah. panel two. Yeah, panel two. <laughs> Zoom in. <laughs> I notice with um with covered in confusion, you really try and just step beyond your normal. You try different paneling techniques. Less of the kind of staggered panels, and more allowing things to overlap and blend. Oh yeah, to bleed together. Yeah, I'm kind of doing that with this story I'm doing right now too, where I'm uh, working with, yeah, kind of having the artwork bleed underneath panels and over other panels. It's it's just tr trying to keep that grid from getting a little too um, boring for me, you know. It's I'm you know I'm trying to evolve it, but in very baby steps. Like oh. Make a little changes here, it's just, but it's still the grid. It's just so it'll be a little bit different. Where do you want to go with your comics? What's your? Do you have something you want to get to, or is it just kind of letting each story take you? Um, I guess that's that's a good way of put it, putting it. Actually, I don't think I would have known how to answer that question. It's, but yeah, it's like I'll do a story and then I'll just see where that leads me. Um, what is it that I? feel like I want to try next or what is the next thing I want to say um, I mean it's not always uh, it isn't always the case that I have a story that I want to get out or tell as much as I just kind of like working on comics and trying to get better at it so whatever whatever I feel like is a weakness in the last thing I did I like to try one of my favorite things of your odd little packaging of comics is uh, mind mapping. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which in the dark. Yeah. Where'd you think of that? I love it. Um, <laughs> there's a um, a design firm and screen printing outfit out here called Aesthetic Apparatus, and they do like geek posters all the time, and they they're just like just they're ridiculously. Uh, talented and do amazing work and I have one of their posters for the Recom Tours and uh, it's I, I was having I had it hang, hanging up in my apartment for a while and then I turned out the lights one day and realized it glowed in the dark <laughs> and uh, that kind of that, that was like an inspiration to me I'm like oh well I should, I should try and do something like that and so I had to do this uh, story it, it's about ghosts and I was doing it for a uh, the ghost anthology. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, I combined the the kind of like wanting to do this go in the dark screen printing thing with with that story. All just kind of came together, kind of naturally. I asked those guys, or I had a friend ask actually, and like, wow, I didn't know that those posters glowed in the dark, and they're like, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess they, they it was just like the ink was contaminated with another project that they had intended to have glow in the dark, and this one just happens to. Oh, that's so, funny. Yeah. Weird coincidences. Jordan, I had, when I had Jordan Crane on, we were talking about silt screening. I don't know if we talked on the in the interview or before about the idea of like doing a print with just like one layer that is just straight, just yeah. a full glow in the dark pole. Oh yeah. As a bottom layer. Cool. And then work on that and just see what happens with that. Wait, like, so, like, screen print over a layer of glow in the dark, and would it make the ink above it glow? Yeah. 
Because the whole thing is like the colors mix, right? Like, right. I guess if I guess that would work if you made the ink really transparent. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Try it. <laughs> you better hurry up with that, or I'm gonna rip it off. <laughs> that's really neat. Yeah. No, it's uh, that's the thing I love about silk screen printing, uh, and I'm sure f I'm sure folks have heard me talk about this a lot. It's just how much you can play with it. And really get yeah. hands-on with it. Not that I'm doing any printing at all, um, mm -hmm. but I like seeing what people do with it. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, it's fun, and it's like um, it's you know, it's like a lot of like um, art making in that you have these restrictions. You know, mm -hmm. you you can really only you know it's great for comics because it's great for line art. You know, it's great for reproducing line art, but you can't do it's really hard to do really complicated gradients, you know, it's, you want to do a lot of colors, it takes a lot of work, so you tend to, you know, a lot of screen printing is really limited color palette, and um, just having those limitations is, uh, I think it makes people be really creative with it. I have combination. seen stuff where people have done, um, done their color matching in Photoshop, and then printed out mm -hmm. really, like, only doing, like, the three color layers, three or four, whatever it is, um, and just having it follow what they, you know, got the printout to show exactly. Oh, really? And just really to... match it really well? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that's, yeah. That's I mean, that's cool. kind of cheating, I, but... I don't know. It depends. Like, I, I think naturally that's how I would want to do stuff, with, you know, normally, but screen printing is kind of fun because... Oftentimes we'll find we'll start printing and they'll be like, "Why don't we just throw a little more black in there?" Or like, Dude, "Let's just throw <laughs> some glow in the dark ink." And I don't know, maybe it'll be cool. And then that stuff's always the best because it's, I don't know, it's surprising and fun. <laughs> um, or it's a disaster. <laughs> well, I mean that's just it. You can have fun with it. I don't know how much yeah. uh, messing around you can do with the G clay print. Yeah, yeah, none. <laughs> it is what it is. Man, I guess you can man. pull out your red ink, you know, <laughs> see how it turns out. <laughs> this is a G-Cray print with, with only seven of the ink cartridges in. Yeah. For $100 more than usual. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm not a big fan of G-Clays. Sorry, folks. Yeah, I don't know. I... Yeah, um, I have a printer that can do Z plays, but um, I don't. I don't really Well, we do have the giveaway though of the um, posters. If folks were still interested, just uh, email us or email me inkstuds at inkstuds.com for some still screen posters by my guest Wildinski, and uh, you can just uh, see for yourself the life that comes with a silt screen print. Hmm. Is that a good way of putting it? That's a great way of putting it. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time to join me today, Will. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks it for was, having me. It was very swell uh, to yak with you. The show. Thank you. Yeah.
Dance me to your beauty with a burning violin Dance me through the panic till I'm gathered safely in Lift me like an olive branch and be my homeward dove Dance me to the end of love Dance me to the end of love Oh, let me see your beauty when the witnesses are gone Let me feel the moving like they do in Babylon Show me slowly what I only know the limits of Oh, dance me to the end of love Dance me to the end Dance me to the wedding now Dance me on and on Dance me very tenderly And dance me very long We're both of us beneath our love We're both of us above Dance me to the end of love Dance me to the end of love Dance me to the children who are asking to be born Dance me through the curtains that our kisses have worn Raise a tent of shelter now though every thread is torn Dance me to the end Dance me to the end.